Welcome to the Pricing and Monetization Podcast, the audio blog of Taprun Consulting. Today we're going to be talking about pay-as-you-want pricing. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It really warmed the cockles of my heart a few years ago, back in 2014, when pricing news became mainstream. The band Radiohead received a ton of free attention for allowing customers to pick their own prices for their latest album. While some have thought that Radiohead's experiment was unique, many others have replicated this pay-what-you-want experiment, including the famous Humble Bundle, which sells software applications, and the makers of the card game, Cards Against Humanity. While pay-what-you-want pricing methodology can bring in a good amount of money, there are times when this business approach clearly fails, and Pandera's bread experiment, which just ended, is just one recent example. It can be notoriously difficult to predict how much money a firm could have earned with traditional pricing strategies. For all we know, even those who raise large sums of money under pay-what-you-want systems could make substantially more using traditional pricing. Further, it's possible that a portion of the income brought in under pay-what-you-want schemes may be due to its novelty rather than its actual merits. If true, incomes would be reduced should pay-what-you-want become more common and mainstream. That said, I suspect the following characteristics would lead to higher profits when using a pay-what-you-want pricing model, whether for software or another product. Familiar with the seller or the product. Reduced familiarity could lead to a lower mental valuation of any product. Belief that money is going to a deserving cause. Donating a subset of funds to a charity, as does Humble Bundle, would give payers a good feeling about paying a higher purchase price and would make them more likely to spend more money. A unique product that is not available anywhere else. Scarcity and uniqueness will generally cause a consumer to predict a higher value for a product and thus encourage them to spend more. Likelihood of being interested in future products from the same seller. Although the free rider problem still exists, A person would be more likely to pay more if he believed it would encourage the production of future products that he would also desire. Belonging to a buyer's persona. The tighter the connection between spender and seller, the less a buyer would feel as if he was losing money so much as exchanging money in a pay-what-you-want scheme. Low variable production costs. When the marginal cost of each unit is low, Companies would not be harmed by customers who pay relatively low amounts of money. Visibility of purchase price to acquaintances of the buyer. This is a key aspect which I think is underutilized in many cases. But mild shaming tactics have long been demonstrated to influence buyer behavior and increase the amount of money that they are willing to spend. And finally, belief that payment is not out of obligation, but out of support. The act of payment is transformed from a cost, which is detested by most buyers, into a vote of affirmation, which is quite valued by most customers. Today we've gone over a bit of an early framework for thinking about pay-what-you-want systems, but as I've said before, it is dangerous, it is difficult, and in many cases, it is not the correct solution. Thanks for listening to the Pricing and Monetization Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about pricing, monetization, and how your business can improve its profits, head over to my website at taprun.com. You can subscribe to my free email course, read through my writings, and even contact me for a consult.